Welcome to part two of Scripture Screen's podcast on the Coming to America movies. Boston Screenwriters Group member, Akoso Favors, joins us in the discussion as we go into some of the issues we had with some jokes that didn't quite land with us in the latest sequel. Remember, you can join the Boston Screenwriters Group on meetup.com and RSVP for an online event peer reviewing scripts, giving feedback on fellow writers' work while networking with them as well. We hope to see you then. Enjoy the podcast in full. Say hello, Kosoa. How are you doing? Okay, can you hear me right now? Yes. Awesome. All right. No, no, no. Yeah, no problem. Good, good. No, no. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we were just um, yeah talking about our uh, our sort of reaction to the the sequel. Yeah, if you do, do you want to uh, yeah, first uh, talk about uh, the, the first one, uh, coming to America. The first one, or uh, give a little intro for yourself, so I can. Okay. Uh, well, my name is Akosua. I uh, new to screen, you know, the screenwriting um, uh, thing coming from a theater perspective, but have always been uh, into into cinema. Uh, so yes, as far as um, the first um, coming to America, um, of course, I was young, so. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of things I didn't didn't understand. I didn't quite catch back then that made sense years later is watching it. But uh, it's a classic, you know. Um, so it's really I, I never when I found out that the sequel was coming out, I never, ever thought that it was a smart idea to 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 compare because <laughs> I just don't think usually when something is a classic that they'll get it right or do better. You get me. But uh, my family. Uh, all of us, we basically know the words to everything in that film. So it was just uh, it's comparable to I don't I don't know um, what year in comparison this came out, but um, you know it's uh, kind of comparable to uh, some of the other like slapstick black um, comedies. Um, but you know, they were pulling pieces. Everybody was pulling pieces from coming to America, uh, because how original it was. Um, but as far as playing all those different characters and and things like that, um, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the, the film that I'm talking about that had the, the Wayans brothers in it. And, uh, they were making fun of a whole bunch of different movies, um, like Shaft and um, some of the actual same characters that were in the Coming to America film, they were in that too. But I kept seeing that genre happen. So it was easy for people to keep up. Do you all, do you know what uh, film I'm talking about, Kenyatta? I'm a Get You Sucker? Is that yes. the one you thought? Okay. Yes, 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 that's what I'm talking about. Um, but, but like, for example, if they redid that, I, I would not, it's, it's no way possible that they would be able to make it better. I just don't think it, it would be possible. So if I'm watching it, I would watch it like, yes, this is, it's going to be funny. They're going to try to bring the char- 
characters back and I'm going to have fun watching it. So I would, my mindset would have automatically went to that. And, and as far as coming to America, although it was beautiful in a different perspective on African culture, like the way people dress and, and getting rid of the illusions of poverty and, and war and violence. So it didn't talk about all of that in it. Um, it kind of reversed it and talked about the violence and things in, in New York, <laughs> kind of spent it on his head, which I thought was kind of clever. But it was a parody. So it was making fun of everything, making fun of Africa, making fun of um, poverty in, 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 um, in New York, making fun of gangsters and violence and, and working minimum age and minimum wage and all of that. But it was still funny. So, uh, I don't know if that that helps any with I don't know what anybody else said about it, but so it's hard to piggyback since I came in late. But that that's my perspective on the first coming to America it was just fun and funny and, and and memorable. Something that always be on the shelves in your in your living room or your diner, your uh your living room or if you have DVDs. <laughs> so that's it. That's all I got. I've seen the second one as well. I didn't know y'all wanted me to talk talk about it all together, or if you just wanted my first. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because we we talked about the first one already, and we talked about the second one. Uh, we talked about for the second one, we talked about what we liked about it, and then we okay. you know we turned around and talked about what we didn't like about it, what could have made it better, so on and so forth. So okay, yep. Yeah. All right. Well, yes. As far as the second one. Um, I, I saw the preview, so I knew uh, that it was going to be different. And everybody's old. It just made it so funny because <laughs> looking at people that was so young back in the old ones, and they're like they're like grandma age now. It's just it's hilarious. But uh, <laughs> um, there was one person that I missed seeing. It was I, I, there's no reason for. Uh, for him to be in the sequel, but I really, because that Soul Glow commercial was so funny to me, uh, I was looking for her ex to be in it. I don't, I don't know where they would have placed him. And then Samuel L. Jackson, I was looking for him to be in it as well. Book, I know they went back in the past and brought brought up, you know, the scene where he was robbing robbing him or sticking up the McDonald's or whatever, but I still would have liked to see him come back for revenge in the second one when uh, Prince uh, or King, or King come back into, into New York. But uh, that's, that's one criticism that I have. But as far as what I loved about it, it was colorful. I loved all of the, the, the wardrobe, like all the costuming. Um, the stereotypes, they were even more ignorant than the first one. <laughs> and I expected that. Um, and, and, the, and the fact that they brought back, I think that was JJ Fett. <laughs> like what? My childhood was just crushed. Like I, I felt so old watching that, you know? <laughs> Uh, and and my favorite, my most favorite part of the film was the funeral. I, the reason why is because we knew someone had passed on recently who planned his entire funeral. Like he did the obituaries, like 
years before he got sick. Like he kind of knew what was going to happen to him and he planned his whole funeral and the whole time everybody was at it, we was like, yeah, this is so him. This is so him, everything, you know, it was perfect the way everything came together. And then when we saw that part, me and my husband were like, oh man, he didn't, he did, uh, he, he wanted, this is like way advanced. If this guy would have been around to see this, he definitely would have died at his funeral. <laughs> so I just thought that was just ridiculous. But because I know some people are that um, obsessed about how they go out in the world, uh, that they would get a kick out of that part in the movie. Um, yeah. So that's my favorite part. The new actor uh, that played his son. I, 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 when they said he had a son in Queens, I, I was kind of irritated. <clears throat> Cause I knew it had to be something that they throw in there. And of course we'd never seen this female in the, the first part, she didn't even exist. So they just like, it was just a made up character that they added to it. I thought it was creative, but um, I, I knew it couldn't, they couldn't backtrack and explain that without adding to it. It's just no way. Because we, we followed our king, he was, he was stringent. He wouldn't even sleep with the lady that he made bark before he left. So he wasn't gonna just sleep with this woman. But the, um, I will say that I kind of got a little bothered by, you know, the date rape drug. Drug. I mean, it was reversed. I think he does a good job with turning the head on a lot of things that's going on, like switching things around. Uh, the writers and then you know whoever helped with the concept i'm sure eddie murphy helped with the concept but um yeah I, I i was annoyed by that bothered by that because it's a huge thing for me and it just reminded me of what was going on with cosby and all of that so i don't know if that was the where they were going with it trying to sneak that in or, or not but uh yeah uh, that was the one thing that that bothered me that I, you know, all the way to the end of the movie, I was still kind of annoyed with her even being there. Um, and uh, I don't I don't have any any anything else to say about it, except it was it was just really funny. I don't think there was a clear storyline. Of course, it was messy and um, they they put enough of the reminders from the first movie in there for you to still feel like you were watching a sequel, but it it really did kind of, they went so far that it really kind of took away the, the concept of this person coming, he, find, he found himself or found his love in a foreign place and brought her to this magical place. Um, and it, the fairy tale kind of got messed up. <laughs> It really did. It just, at the end of it, it was like, oh, okay, it was just a comedy. It's funny. And that's what I got from it. That's it. Yeah, and like, um, before you got on, we, we kind of mentioned the whole, uh, you know, Prince Akeem got raped thing, you know, and, and, and it, it was put in there for comedic purposes. And then when I kind of brought it to social media, a lot of people thought it was no big thing. Um, deal. They thought it was funny, especially. And the funny thing is, it's like everybody who thought it was funny were women. <laughs> None of the guys thought it was funny, and um, 
which I thought was kind of ironic that um, we try to teach men. Well, men uh, get chastised about uh, toxic masculinity and cancer, you know, um, we, we're in this era of cancer culture and uh, they're saying um, like teaching men, men should learn uh, about rape culture in terms of not perpetuating it. But how can you, how, how can you do that when you have something like this happens in a movie and it's funny and women are laughing at it. So, I mean, that's just a political part in the movie. And King and Barris, he wrote this and, you know, sometimes he could be ignorant and I could tell right now, I could have a feeling, you know, it's like, oh, this is hilarious. Kind of like, let's pigeonhole this thing in here and we could do it this way, you know. And, and I think because people like the movie, they that part didn't bother them. That to me, you could still like the movie and that part could still bother you. But anyways, that's why I think because, because you criticize, I noticed uh, with this film that if you critique anything of this film, then you're a hater. Um, you get people getting cussed out because they say they don't like the film. Now, like I said, I, I'm indifferent. I don't hate it and I don't love it. But, you know, a lot of people uh, who say they don't like it, a lot of people do like it. So it's just, I mean, this movie is a hit. And people are defending it to the point where if you say you don't like it or if you don't like parts of it, you get cussed out, you get vilified, which I think is hilarious. But, you know, that's, that's, that's how it is nowadays. I think that's funny. I mean, it's 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 funny that the only thing that I think is funny about anybody trying to be um, too politically correct with describing the movie is like, if you went back and you introduced, I'm going to get you something to this generation, it would be so offensive. I mean, there, I can't imagine. I I don't think there's any film that 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 was very popular in the in the eighties and early 90s that uh that had these characters in it even Harlem Nights I mean I'm just gonna go down the list where any woman should feel prideful in watching that stuff it was like really offensive to women all the way down I in fact my offense is not even just that it's promoting rape culture but that it was still making a woman into this needy thing, I, my I think that my opinion about it is probably different from from yours or most people that are are saying that you know okay women they're 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 saying the, the Me Too thing and and all this stuff is going on in Hollywood and you know the the stuff with Cosby and all these other Hollywood character heads or whatever, um, but I'm still looking at it like okay, but at the end of the day, you still made the females look bad somehow in this, you know. Uh, instead of just making it like a, a one night stand that he didn't remember, um, because he he just didn't remember it, they they had to go this way, so that it looked like you know he was something happened to him. Uh, uh, but yet we we ignore the fact that this woman that that uh, that he told to bark like a dog because she was raised to praise and adore him was still barking all the way until 
that day when he stopped her, supposedly, you know, you know, uh, the I can't remember the character's name for Wesley Snipes. I apologize, but the character he played, he said that you finally released my sister from your spell. I mean, nobody talked about that, and nobody talked about the fact that then his daughter came and did the same thing again. That she was just do whatever he wants to do. What, you know? So I mean, I know that that was like. Um, supposed to be making fun of what the culture is in Africa and and the women being raised in this weak way and they did I think do a good job recovering that by having the daughter become you know the representative queen. of the family the queen um and Lana be the queen but like really what is uh king um, Hakeem's wife's purpose, like, except for the race and the kids. Like, you know, she really didn't have a purpose. She seemed like she had more going for her when she was in Queens, in my opinion. So, you know, if we want to talk about, like, women's rights and all that stuff, there is so many things to pick apart up in regards to what was offensive in the film than that scene, except it was just ridiculous. It was really just no point for that to be in there. It it may be funny be the way it was executed, not necessarily that the, the, the incident that happened was funny, but I do think it was executed funny because he had no idea. And then he went back and, and then we seen it. It was just the whole scene was funny. Um, but yeah, it's a whole lot of things. If we were gonna be politically correct, this this film would be in a lot of trouble. It didn't do anything to empower women except that last little thing. And I think some woman probably suggested it. Like, yeah, we can't let this happen. Uh, we can't, we can't, we can't go out with this. We're going to get a lot of backlash. So I think that was that way of kind of savor, saving it from being just too offensive uh, or controversy, controverse uh, as far as, you know, political correctness does that make well, sense what i'm yeah, trying to I, yeah yeah i got you and you know sometimes you know i if, i'm not into being too politically correct um sometimes you, you know that's such a thing to me but to me um i don't mind an edgy uh something uh a joke being edgy but it has to make sense as well because, like, uh, if you think about Eddie Murphy's character, Prince Hakeem, he was just so wholesome and so he was so moral. He was like the moral compass, you know, that, okay, in the first one, he had the, the girl barking, staying on one leg. Then 33 years later, she's still barking. And the poor, imagine, that's torture. So I'm like, okay, it's supposed to be funny, but that goes so against his character that you mean to tell me Prince Akeem never bothered to say, okay, you can stop doing that. It's like, he didn't give a shit. You know what I mean? So to me, that ruined the joke because, you know, uh, it's like, it's one thing, okay, this is funny, but it has to make sense too. You know what I'm saying? I just can't imagine because as being, if I'm so moral and everything, imagine, because of me, for 33 years, somebody for 33 years straight is barking like a dog, 
And plus, that's the offense of having a you know, black woman barking like a dog in the first place. But which goes to show, like, if I'm so moral like Prince Akeem, you know what I'm saying? It's like in three, three years, he was supposed to have grown and matured wouldn't that one time say, just say, hey, this person, you know, I could tell her to stop, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, to me, I took away from any semblance of a joke there. Um, I know I'm trying, I know I'm probably so quickly, you know, correct here. But at the same time, what I'm saying that sometimes, you know, you could be, you know, constantly worried about political correctness, there's a problem being too politically correct all the time. But I think in this instance, um, I'm making that distinction that um, it didn't it didn't make any sense to the character. I don't, I don't know if anybody can comment on that or. Uh, yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. I understand it, but I also feel like to a certain extent, like just a little tiny bit that maybe you're reading a little too much into the character that I'll tell you why. Um, yeah, the joke is that she's been hopping on one leg and barking like a dog for 30 years only because he told her to in the first movie and he didn't tell her to stop. But I mean, did you ever think that even after he left to go to Queens that he ever stopped and think about that woman he almost married? No, I don't think he ever did stop and think about her, which is why I feel like that's the joke when she appears again. She's barking like a dog and hopping on one leg. He's like, holy shit, I forgot all about this woman. Excuse my French. But um, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you on the portrayal of women on this movie, just because you do have that woman who's been taught all her life how to um, um, be, a, uh, be a queen or be a queen to um, King Hakeem or Prince Hakeem and how to act, how to walk and talk like a princess. And that's just because that's how, I guess, monarchies work, not just in Africa, but I think just all over the world that um, I still, I believe when monarchy still exists, I know there's just, only know the one that exists in Britain, that's it. But, um, but yeah, as far as I go, I think that's just how that works. But didn't you see other female characters that enter the movie as well? You have the um, woman who cuts, um, keep forgetting his name, I wanna say Lavelle again, right? who cuts Lavelle, she has goals and aspirations for herself. She doesn't just want to keep cutting um, the royal people's um, hair. She wants to go out and open her own shop, but it's just an impossible thing to do for some reason, Zumunda. I guess because she's a woman, I want to say maybe that's why. I mean, not just that, you also have like, um, his daughters also have like her own aspirations as well. Like the eldest one wants to be queen and she feels like she should be queen just because her father wasn't, or isn't a man of tradition just because he went, he had to go all the way across America to find love. And she feels like she's gonna have that same opportunity as well. But because he's in an urgent need to find this heir to the throne to, in order to promote peace, he does, exact, he does the exact opposite of following his um, own ideas of breaking tradition in order to achieve a, certain, a different goal. But yeah, basically at the end of the movie, not only does um, his, I guess, new daughter-in-law opens up a barbershop in Queens where she's able to do what she wants, but his like daughters now have power in Zamunda as well, which means I think it's like, it's gonna be like a step up for all women in Zamunda. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying that maybe you could, you could, and that's the thing, of, I, I, what you just said, you know, I, that crossed my mind in terms of maybe he didn't realize she for 33 years was still hopping on one leg and barking, 
But after he saw it, he still didn't tell the stuff. And then then you you say yourself, okay, how come General Izzy didn't step in? You get what I'm saying? So, like, when when stuff, that's what I'm saying. The joke has to also make some semblance of sense, you know, in terms of characters and all that kind of stuff. It just seemed like that was a stony edge just for the sake of a joke. So, but I think it was ruined because um, it didn't make any sense. But maybe, maybe I'm just being too serious about it, but you know, whatever. I, I do think that most of the, the jokes didn't make sense. I mean, nothing made sense in the whole movie. <laughs> I think, I really think it all is ridiculous. I mean, come on, like his father plant, wanted a funeral and he did his funeral before he passed away. It's stupid, but it's funny. And it's something that people who are um, narcissists and egomaniacs would you consider doing it. <laughs> Just people out here in the world that can relate to the stupidity, no matter how ridiculous anything in this film was. There are people that you know out here that are this ridiculous. But see, that's why, the, that's why that joke worked because it made sense in terms of the character because he was narcissistic. So that's why it worked, that joke. You know what I'm saying? And it was ridiculous. Um, you know, people did, I heard people criticize, oh, he was standing up in the coffin, blah, blah, blah. But it, it worked for the same reasons that you discussed that, you know, his character is flamboyant. He's very, you know, um, narcissistic. But let's say that's not his character. That 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 joke wouldn't wouldn't have made sense, and that's I guess that's the point I'm making. And and I guess I'll I'll piggyback off of what Derek was saying about the fact that I think it was a rehashed joke um, to imply that you know this this is what you were going to marry at first, and you the whole point of bringing that out. I think from what I I I, I can't possibly know why the writers chose that but what i got from it was you this is the woman that your your family thought was 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 a queen for you this would to build this kingdom to maintain this 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 uh this family and you went and you sought after a woman that you could relate to that had a mind of her own they were like revisiting that idea and and even though uh, they were, that was the point of bringing it back, the it, it the way that they introduced that concept was through comedy, and 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 showing that you know this woman that you could have married and she would have still just been doing everything you wanted her to do, and you would just continue the legacy of your family, this patriarchal. Uh, male chauvinistic, con- you know, construct, um, and and then you have to see that his personality, uh, of course, didn't match with the fact that she was still barking. Of course, it was just a joke. That that was just the joke. I I, I think I, I honestly don't think that most people were saying, "Oh my gosh, he's a terrible king. He's still letting us." Lady Bark, like I don't, I don't think anybody should have took it that serious. <laughs> you, you know, I and guess, I guess it did. It, it, I brought it up because it bothered me personally, but, um, but I get it. I get why they used it. I think that it made sense just to rehash that character. Like, what other 
role would that character have played in this in in this family? I mean, just just like when I said that the old boyfriend with his jury curl and he was a chauvinist and he wanted um he wanted her to be in at his every will. He basically mimicked the way that the, the king, kings, previous kings, and the idea of how males view women in Zamunda, Munda, he, he treated her like that when, when he wanted to marry her. So I, um, I, couldn't under, I couldn't figure out where he would fit into the film, but I would have liked to see him. And if she was missing, I would have felt the same way about her. Like, what about, uh, you know, she, cause she really got pretty famous after that movie. How couldn't they bring her back in there? And they just wrote a dumb way of putting her back in there, but she was there. And I thought it was important for her to be a part of it because uh, it like set the tone before he left for, for Queens in the first place. So that was my view on it. I do, I do see relevance of what you're saying. Like as far as, you know, it didn't make sense and it didn't have anything to do with his his character or his um his moral compass. It just kind of ruined that aspect. But a whole lot of different things ruined that. Um well, trained his well, daughter well, and then she the the his queen said, Oh, sorry, were you about to say something? No, no, I was gonna say that. It, they could have saved it a little bit if he was like, you know, um, Prince Akeem was like, oh my God, she's still, if he seemed so, he was just so nonchalant when he saw, he was like, he just he looked so indifferent. But you know something? Basically, I guess we're going around about saying this is lazy writing. <laughs> I guess it's what, you know, if I wanted to simplify what I'm saying and, and that's just one piece of evidence of lazy writing. Yeah, sometimes just uh, rehashing a joke, you know, from 30 years ago just doesn't really pan out. And uh, that, that's the case with uh, quite a few uh, with quite a few instances here. Uh, yeah, I, uh, it, I again, it goes to sort of like the, this flatness that the this follow up. Uh, it, it's this the, the best stuff is the stuff that uh, is a callback uh, or a um, uh, a retelling of the stuff that worked in the first one. Um, the best new stuff is, of course, it has to be Wesley Snipes as uh, General Izzy. Uh, yeah, that's by that's by far and away the best addition to the uh, to the cast uh, in terms of well, in terms of the comedic role. Uh, but um, yeah, I I, I I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, there's it's it's a lot of um, there's yeah, and there was a way to make that joke really land, uh, like Kenyatta was just saying. Uh, but it's just uh, a lazy callback that if you really think about it. It, uh, yeah, it, uh, it's detrimental to the Akeem character. It's detrimental to that character, um, and um, you might get you know, like you might like chuckle at it initially, but then yeah, as you think about it a little bit more, there's the problems with it that, that come up. Yeah, I, I just don't think anybody really thought that it. I, I, when you said it was bad writing choices, I, I agreed that the whole thing was a bad writing choice, but it didn't matter because it was a uh, part two of a classic and some people just really want to see that just wanted to see those aspects of of part one in there and that's what that and I think that was just the only reason it didn't matter if it flew it's in there you make sure it's like he had a list of things make sure that this is this this isn't in there when you write and they did it and it was like oh, okay we're gonna roll with it 
So directing kind of, the directing is what moved this movie into, you know, the direction of being funny and entertaining, the way that it was directed, not necessarily how it was written. Like I, I, I said it before that the storyline kind of got messed up and sloppy, but I didn't care because <laughs> that's not what I was watching it for. I wasn't watching it to get empowered. I wasn't watching it to, to understand about him and the new kingdom. Didn't care about any of that, but it was funny. And that's the only reason I watched it is the hope in hopes that it would be funny. And I literally almost fell out of my chair the whole time I was watching the film. So I thought he did a good job with that. I mean, the ending with sexual chocolate. I mean, come on, guys, I don't know that was funny. Like they were super old up there on the stage. <laughs> and then here comes Randy Jackson. I thought that was so funny. Was it ignorant? Yes. Did it make sense? No, it did not make any sense, but it was hilarious. So that's how I think about the whole film. Even the stuff that got on my nerves, I would talk about it with a smile on my face so he did they did the job well I was thinking the whole time hmm if I had the choice to be a writer would I be a writer or would I be someone behind the scenes and I said behind the scenes definitely I just wanted to be in the midst of all of this craziness that's going on I don't even want to write I don't want to write this <laughs> so you know if that's my screenwriter's tidbit and if somebody sent me the script, I would throw it. I would literally throw it out the window. I don't want to read that. Um, I would see it. So that's that's my in our perspective on the film in relation to the first one. It was fun. It was funny. Um, I did like the addition of of Wesley Snipes, but I did think they were biting off of of Black Panther a little bit with that one because <laughs> enemy. In like a peace-loving country like this, it makes sense. Um, but but then, like like we all agree, right? And none of it makes sense, right? It, it doesn't really make any sense. But see, and that's all, and that's what my criticism is: is you have to make a choice. Either you make a reboot of the first one, or a sequel. You know that kind of. I don't know if you were. Here, when I mentioned like Shaft with Samuel Jackson, it it wasn't just a, a, a reboot of Shaft. It was a completely different story, but it all was connected. You get what I'm saying? So it was a completely different story. So, um, hey, if you wanna if you are if you wanna reboot it, if you wanna be a remake, so to speak, if you do a remake, do a remake. It's like don't have your toe halfway in, halfway out. Make a choice. You know what I mean? So, um, because the first one is so outdated, you could update it with, you know, production, design, and wardrobe, and what have you. And, you know, so Eddie Murphy could have played the part of his father, you know, could play James O. Jones's part. It could have been just a, a reboot. That's what you wanted to see. That's what sounds like what people want to see. They're pretty much what we halfway got. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's just, how I see it, I just think it would have been better if they were made a choice, a solid choice. I disagree with that only to say that there's nothing they could have did to make them. I don't. I just don't. I would have placed money on it that they couldn't reboot it or remake it any better than the original. No way. And 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 uh, 
and what was his father's name um in the film <laughs> the james earl jones character yeah right it, it just no he had to be in there as the king it just come on like you know it, they, I think they made the decisions based off of would it entertain my, the audience were the old heads that watched it and loved it. And then the new school kids that would probably go back and watch Coming to America and love it. And that's it. And I think it did what I did think they completed the job. They could have done better. They could have. Yes, I agree with you with that. It could making a choice between uh, a re, um, rehashing it, like redoing the whole thing or a remake like a part two i don't think it would have made that big of a difference but it would have ruined it if all those characters weren't in it and we didn't identify who was who it was fun to realize who was who in there for me um so i i only disagree that that it it needed to be a choice between the two and that stuff need to make sense i i don't think that i know of any comedies that that have like characters like Jim Carrey and um was was the, the um um you know the Meet the Falkers family you know and had it kept on redoing it and and revisiting characters and stuff like that um I I, I don't think that anybody when they're writing these jokes or trying to make them make sense just how can we squeeze it out you know how, how we move so ridiculous ridiculous that it's funny and memorable um and still you know reminds you of the past movies and i think that that was the direction they were going in and it did it for me um so yeah like being critical of it is important to uh i don't know screenwriters who want to do better and want to write comedy and can't get away with just being rich and having a whole bunch of money to just waste on the set and we don't have those uh, you know, billions of, or well, I don't know billions, but millions and millions of dollars to put on something like that. But when you do, you literally can do what you want. And it just came across that way. I just, I wouldn't want to sit down and interview Eddie Murphy or any of the cast about this movie, but I would watch it a whole lot of times. I'll, I'll keep watching this movie. Uh, and that's that's basically what I think other people may have gotten from it. Um, maybe sad, I don't know, that people didn't take it serious, but that's that's what the monster they created. I don't know if anybody has anything else to say, but I just want to throw this question out there. Um, in terms of older films that you saw back in the day, like if somebody was to pay you a million dollars, like, what movie, uh, like a comedy from maybe the 80s, 70s, what have you, and if they paid you a million dollars, you could pick any um, film back in the day, comedy back in the day, to, to either remake or do a sequel, what movie would that be? It's a good question. Uh, the, only one that comes, <clears throat> the only one that comes to mind for me isn't from... Uh, uh, the 80s or 90s it's actually uh, from the uh, early aughts when I when I first watched it on the screen it's uh, a follow-up to uh, uh, Russell uh, Russell Crowe's uh, 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 Master and Commander uh, sort of the uh, um, 
the seafaring uh, seafaring war epic uh, that kind of pretty much set itself up for a sequel, but uh, we never got any follow-ups from it. Uh, and, but uh, it always seems like uh, Russell Crowe is always a uh, game for it, but uh, they just uh, never had a follow-up for it. Um, I thought it was a great, great movie. Um, uh, one of the uh, better uh, seafaring uh, uh, war epics, uh, 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 certainly of its time, but uh, um, yeah, I, it's not from yeah, it's not from like the '80s or '90s. But I would definitely love to, if uh, uh, given enough money, I would definitely love to invest in a follow-up to that. Maybe they wait 33 years to do the sequel. Old ass uh, Russell Crowe as, as the as as the aging captain uh, that'd be interesting. But no, yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Um, I mean, it's because some things just uh, remain better, like. Um, uh, left as is <laughs> without uh without a follow-up or a uh, a sequel uh sequel to it does it have to be a sequel or could it just be a reboot this was a very it could be question. yeah e either either a reboot or a sequel either one yeah no because i'm thinking hard and hard it's something i've always wanted to do i don't think i would be allowed to do it because i'm a man but um something i would always i always want to see i always want to see a, a female version of Porky's, like a female style version of Porky's. Like, I think that would be an interesting thing to do in today's age, just because um, women are now given a chance to be extremely as funny as they want to be and not receive any backlash for it. And I think it would just be awesome just to see them go out, all out and just make a, a very funny comedy such as Porky's. Like, I think that'd be an awesome film. Like I've seen a couple of movies like that so far, but I feel like they've just been toned down because they're women. But I think it'd just be interesting to see something like either Porky's or like a, a female version of Revenge of the Nerds, something like that. Because I think that would be interesting to watch. Hey, um, Derek, you don't know how much a genius you are because you, every time I turn around, you always have these brilliant ideas. Man, you need to get in front of your typewriter and start typing some of these genius ideas you have, man. No, yeah, that is that's it. The sad thing is that I do, but like it's just annoying because I'm not allowed to do that just because I'm a man. Like that's just how that's supposed to work now. Like representation matters, and like I would love to encourage somebody to do this. Like if I met a woman who wanted to do something like this, then yes, I would work with her at least try to get an idea of what she wanted to portray. Then I would throw some ideas what I want to portray. Like I had an idea for a long time ago to do um, a modernized American version of an anime called Sailor Moon. But the problem is you couldn't do that without it being whitewashed. Sometimes you just do what you want to do and then um, don't worry about like, I know we talked about political correctness and stuff like that sometimes. And sometimes that's the best stuff, man, that people's like, they what they want to do. Cause it turns out they had the best ideas, you know what I'm saying? Because like uh, when produce, sometimes when producers or studios, uh, these like especially you know the head, the people, you know uh, the top people, they can ruin art, man. And sometimes the best stuff is like uh, come off an of artist's instinct, you know. Uh, but for me, I'm thinking about a trilogy. Okay, and it's um I, I don't know if you guys saw uh any of these films and this was it was a trilogy and I think it came out in the 70s. Yeah, it did come out in the 70s from mid 70s to late 70s. 
starring uh, the duo of Sidney Poitier and Bill Cosby. Um, and I rewatched these, and even though, like I said, like things can get outdated, to this day, these things are still funny. It did not lose, I mean, yeah, it, it may look older and stuff like that, but I'm telling you, those two have chemistry. They were hilarious. And the films is Uptown Saturday Night. Um, part two was Let's Do It Again. A piece of action. I haven't rewatched that, uh, but that had um, that was the um, the lower rating of the three. And I and and, and from what, from what people were saying, that had different tone to it. But I did see pieces. It was just so long ago. I'm gonna check it out. But if I could remake something, man, it would be that. Because um, imagine finding uh, two. You know, Bill Cosby is a, uh, you know, he's a comedian, but Sidney Poitier wasn't. But it was just those two in the, in the movies and the situations they were put in. It was just so good, man. Even to this day, uh, I'm still laughing. You know, I could I could watch that over and over. So, you know, if if I had, you know, the opportunity to do that, I would definitely update those. As far as me, um... I'm not. I'm not really into writing comedy, but if I had a million dollars presented to me and a choice, I would definitely ch uh, choose Blank Man. I, I like the idea of this the character that doesn't have any superpowers at all, but it's just really, really courageous, and uh, I don't know, just not, not simple minded, but but he uh, doesn't have the same. Um, issues with society that regular people that are working have. So, I mean, I know people probably criticized that movie saying that it was, uh, you know, making fun of people with um, disabilities. I, I didn't look at it like that. I looked at it like this, this person that doesn't have any other barriers of, of fear, doing the right thing uh, and, and using what he has. And, it, and then also it's, it was funny especially because of the character that played it. But I don't know if any of y'all seen Black Man. It's probably, I don't know, the, the early 90s when it came out? <laughs> I, I saw I saw the this, this sketches on, um, uh, what do you call it, In Love and Color, but I never saw the film. Yeah, and it had, um, uh, was that Damon? Damon, the yeah, one Damon that played- Wayans. Damon Wayans. Yeah, Damon Wayans was the main the main character uh he's just superhero in his pajamas but it was just so funny i i watch this one movie that i kept watching over and over and over again uh i would definitely remake that so it I, it doesn't even matter i could rehash it like re, you know redo the film as it is with another comedian or um a sequel um i, I wouldn't mind doing it, they're equal to me, so that that's like, the knowledge. <laughs> like when you when you say kind of recast, like who would you put in that role? Uh, I I would put a new, uh, not anybody currently famous. If I was redoing the film, I would I wouldn't put, I would I would choose someone, not not someone that's a big name now. I I would I wouldn't 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Because, you know, I think it, there's more of uh, auditioning and giving somebody that's like new out here a chance for a role like that. But uh, I would rather, with what you saying that, I would rather have Damon Wayne play a part two uh, and maybe he's training somebody else and we picks a up and coming star or someone that's not really known. So like a sidekick, like a Robin to his uh, Batman? Yes. Did, did, the, did the movie, did, was he by himself or did he have like a Robin, like a co-star? No, or was it, was it just him? He had an arm um, sidekick. Um, David Allen Greer played his arm um, sidekick, the other guy. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. That's what they called him, just because he didn't have a name, just like Blank Man came up with his name when he said, I'm drawing a blank. And then when we said Blank Man, that was his name. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to uh, see a reboot of that. I'm curious, so like, would it be like a franchise film, though? Like, would you want to make two or three? I don't think, no. <sighs> just just, a, just because I want to know, uh, like, you know, if, like if, um, you know, if he ended up marrying this chick that he was in love with, which I think was played by Jada Pickett. I could be wrong. I, I think it was Jada Pickett. Am I right? Am I wrong? It was Robin Givens. Robin Givens. I should I should have known that, and I would definitely not choose Robin Given. So I would have to go with the the option of a new character. Yeah, um, I didn't like her either. Yeah, no, nah. Jada Pickett would have been the person I chose back then. She wasn't even that memorable. I couldn't even remember who played it, but <laughs> the role. But it didn't matter because the the whole film was was about the the concept of these people, uh, uh, well the 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 heroes not really having any powers but but just determined and to save the day and save his his community with what he had he had like little things around the house like pots and pans and he had an underground lair it was just all funny to me i would redo that you should watch yeah. mystery men what is it called mystery man Mystery Men with um Ben Stiller. It's a all star cast, I believe, but it's like Ben Stiller, um uh what's Pee Wee Herman's name? Um Paul Rubin, Janine Garofalo, Kel Mitchell, um um Jeffrey Rush who plays the villain. Um and I cannot think of the other guy. Um the yeah, it's like I said, it's an all star cast, but it's pretty funny. It's about yeah, a bunch of people who want to serve the community by being superheroes. There's a lot of opportunity there, opportunity there in terms of because this is based on like a character from uh, Envelope in Living Color. If you wanted to, I like I said, I didn't see the film, so I don't know if they threw in other characters from In Living Color or not. You know what I'm saying? Um, I can even see, yeah, I, I see so many opportunities there. You can even like, if he had a girlfriend in the first one, uh, maybe he had kids. So it's kind of like the Incredibles, how there's a whole family. Uh, just like uh, Derek says, part three could be, you know, they do like a um, an ensemble of different like characters with, you know, certain abilities. So yeah, I mean, the, yeah, that's you have to be, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to be very creative and be, you know, original and, also have it work in today's times uh, or or put some of that the stuff that you know um on his head you know what i mean some of the 
things that, you know, how you view the world now, how it's totally like super fully correct, cancel code. You could, you could, you know, you can do a commentary on that, and, and but you could put it on his head in a comedic fashion, you know. And um, one thing I was dying for was a, a Black Dynamite sequel. So I could see that as, in the, you know, in the trilogy. I saw it like a, um, a preview of, I thought it was real. Maybe they were planning on doing it. They end up not doing it. But he was in the, he was in the old Wild West uh, in the sequel, part two. So I could see like a trilogy there. I could see, I would love to see um, a movie on um, Homie the Clown from In Living Color. I could, I could see like an hour and a half movie of just that character. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, guys, are, you guys have some really good, good ideas. It's like a fake trailer on YouTube. I thought this was hilarious. It's um, Blank Man versus Meteor Man. It's like supposed to make fun of the whole uh, Batman versus Superman thing, and it's like super funny. I gotta check that out. Yeah, and I, I would like to see. I would like to see a remake or a sequel of uh, Meteor Man. Like the first Meteor Man, I wasn't too crazy about. But if I were, if they say, hey, you know, here's a million dollars re uh, remake or do a sequel to Meteor Man. I would do it more in a in, in the vein of how, what they did to Shazam. I didn't have enough time to really think about that question. And that was the first movie that stood out in my mind. So that's why I, I chose it. Um, but if I thought about it longer, it's a whole lot of films that I could, re could see if I had a budget, bring it back out, especially in this time. There's so much stuff to make fun of. I mean, we got... Like the, the president that we have had, I mean, just him alone, you could just do like, it's just, it's, it's so much that we could do. <laughs> just make every movie, just, you know, for this new generation of millennials. All right. We up for final thoughts? Up for final yep. thoughts on the boat? Okay. Oh, you want to start us off then? Um, final thoughts. Um, you know, just to reiterate, um, you know, I, I know sometimes I think society could be too politically correct. And, um, you know, in terms of comedy, I think the whole point of comedy is kind of like, I don't know, I think the best comedy is the edginess. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be rated R, but you know, I, it, to me, it's even better if it is. But um, I, just at the end, like some of the ideas we came up, like if somebody gives a million dollars, like what would we do? So there's a, there's a lot of opportunity out there for, you know, just a fresh take. Even if you did a reboot or you did a, a, a sequel, it's because, you know, you don't, have, I think it's, when you say Coming to America, the sequel fell flat, and I think that's probably a piece of that is, you know, you have to be brave, you know, and, um, you know, I think that's the, the, the best product. You could produce the best product by just being brave and, 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 you know, your artistic instinct, like that kick in and take over, you know what I'm saying? Because um, I know sometimes you have to work around certain things like, uh, producers in the studio and the you know heads of studios 
you know, they're not coming from an artistic standpoint, but, you know, I really encourage artists to do, you know, just, just whatever, whatever, whatever you feel like doing it, whatever, whatever is in your soul, let, let it out, you know what I mean? But in terms of uh, films that I could recommend just based on coming to America, I kind of mentioned it earlier with the uh, Bill Cosby slash uh, Sidney Poitier films, uh, Let's Do It Again, and uh, piece, of the, piece of the Action, and uh, Uptown Saturday Night. Also, that trilogy right there, and it really stood the test of time. You could rewatch that now, and it doesn't feel outdated, you know? Uh, in terms, since we're talking about Eddie Murphy, Beth Hill's Cop was one of my favorite films back in 1984, besides Terminator, until uh, Do the Right Thing took over my favorite films all the time, until, you know, whatever. But anyways, so another Eddie Murphy film that's underrated is Metro. Um, I would like to see that again, and a lot of people don't talk about it. And he's really acting in his film, so it's not like this, like, okay, take this well-known uh, hot commodity of a, of a comedian, okay, uh, and, put, and stick him in a film and do sketches. Here, it's like, I really got a chance to see him really act in a dramatic role. And the storyline was cool. Everything was cool and all the acting and had some good actors in it. So if you haven't seen Metro, it's very, it's not, you know, um, talked about a lot. When you talk about, when you think about Eddie Murphy, I would definitely recommend Metro. Yeah, uh, you know, comedy is the most subjective of um, of all the genres. Um, you know, what makes people laugh is just so uh, different from just person to person and uh, uh, different sensibilities, uh, different attitudes towards uh, certain material. Um, and yeah, but uh, I, and uh, I think comedy is probably one of the better, you know, especially comedy or satire is probably the best way to like break through sort of uh, political correctness and uh, just the sameness uh, and, you know, political correctness has its, has its place in time, but uh, uh, I think it's also good to have stuff that pushes the boundaries. And that was certainly the case with Eddie Murphy in the eighties, especially with his stand-up specials. Um, he has since uh, fallen more into the family friendly affair, especially started pretty much after this, uh, all through the nineties, all the way up to now, a much more friendly family friendly affair, but um, uh Dolomite is my, I would recommend Dolomite is my name. If you haven't seen it, it's a very good uh, uh, just filmmaking uh, movie about uh, just having, um, just having the drive to make something, even though you don't have any of the resources. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, but I, as for the follow-up, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a good stuff that, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's some good stuff here, but um, it seems like the, the, the drive to make this was more seemed more uh, financially driven and yeah that's that's the thing with every single movie but with um with the original it did seem like they at least like uh there, there's the uh putting on the show aspect you know especially with the sketches that uh, eddie murphy and arsenio hall uh get into there's a uh 
that, that, that they are having a they are having a good time and they probably had a good time with this one too seeing each other for the first time in you know 30 odd years but here it just seems uh just going through the motions more so than just trying to make something make people laugh uh and yeah I mean, there's some there's again there's good stuff but for the most part it just plays flat and i think um sometimes with especially with comedy you just have to strike uh strike when the iron's hot and uh, uh 30 years on it's very hard to do that as i keep reiterating but uh and that's i think that's especially the case with comedy uh you once you, if you have something, you know, you might as well try to milk it for all it's worth because um, it's just hard to get that engine restarted after uh, so long on this uh, between uh, between outings. As far as uh, you know, wrapping everything up, um, I, I, I just try to think back in my mind of any sequels to comedies that Eddie Murphy has done that that's been good and. Uh, of course, there are the you know the 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 old films from back in the day like Beverly Beverly Hills Cop that I would not mind seeing those those you know you could just keep on going with that um, and I don't I don't know if he he would but that would be something I would be interested from him I think he could pull those type of action films off uh, he has a way with putting um, his comic spin on a. a and otherwise, if it was somebody else in that place, it would have been just a regular, just action film. So he's good at that kind of stuff. But like, as far as films that were meant to be funny that I would want to see him particularly do again, I, I can't think of anything that he would be able to pull off um, because he had such a long gap in between his in his uh, career from from those type of comedies. Uh, again, I think it was a great. Um, film to sit down with your friends and laugh about. Uh, um, I hope he never ever tries to do it again. Like, do not do that. Um, I think everybody would just shame him if he did. But when you ask the question about, um, you know, the bring, bringing back some of these things, bringing back some of the old comics and stuff like that, I, I thought about the fact that, you know, we know stand-up is funny, is real funny for a comedian. Um, and I would love to see uh, someone take, like, you know, someone like Dave Chappelle, you know, when he did his little, his his show, but make it different where the uh, comedian is speaking, but there's someone reenacting everything he's talking about. I think that would be hilarious. I, I think that, you know, comedians deserve to be applauded by their stand-up comedy because that's the stuff they're writing or that they're, you know, spending a lot of time with. Um, Cause it's hard to make a film like that funny unless you're bringing back something from the past. Um, and then you have to be careful so that this generation gets it. <laughs> so um, I think all that, like you said, with the 33 years or so in between stuff that's funny to us, it just might not even, you know this the millennials might not even understand it so you just have that kind of issue as well um but yeah i i think that this that this film is going to be talked about a lot and people are going to remember it and keep watching it and um hopefully people go back and watch the original one so they can appreciate uh this one a little more um so that's it that's all that's all i have to say 
Uh, final thoughts. Yeah. Um, I feel like if you haven't seen the first one, you probably shouldn't listen to this podcast yet. I feel like you should watch the first one, then come listen to the podcast and then watch the second one. Maybe, I don't know, maybe watch the second one before listening to the podcast. But yeah, um, my final thoughts is, yeah, it's, I, I liked it. I thought it was a good film. It could have been so much better. It could have been like the first one, but it wasn't. Um, they even explain it to you in the film that we're, this is separate from any other film that we've done, but sometimes the sequel is not as good as the first one. So they let you know right then and there that, yeah, this is not going to be as good as the first one. However, we're going to try to make it as good as we can. But um, yeah, there was just a lot of cringy parts, but I guess maybe it's something that didn't age well. But I mean, with PC as being a thing um, this century, maybe we're as creators, we're trying to do better. So I respect them for at least attempting, even though they really didn't, attempting to do better. Um, but yeah, and I feel like a, a very important movie we left out of Eddie, Eddie Murphy's career. And like, I completely forgot about it until it just hit me in the face um, about his edginess. We all forgotten about the movie Life that he did with Martin Lawrence. And like, that was like one of the best movies he's ever done after I would say coming to America. Like you had Metro was a good movie. You have the Shrek movies, which are also pretty cool. But like I feel like life tops all those movies in the 90s. But that's just my opinion. So if you want to go back and rewatch Life, I thought it was like one of the funniest movies ever. But um also we watched um Beverly Hills Cop trilogy. I thought those were really good trilogies. Um did I enjoy trading places? That's like if you sometimes you just need to take a whole day and just like watch any movie movies in order. Certain ones you can skip. Um, I thought G was a good movie, but you wouldn't want to skip G. We forgot about that movie that he did in the uh, mid nineties. But yeah, you said, um, you said G. I think it's yeah. I think the movie was called G. Never heard of it. It's a movie where Jeff. This was Jeff. He stumbles upon a guru who's named Murphy, and he tries to use him to sell stuff, um, like a, like a key, key C channel, you know, while also trying to learn himself. Yeah, it's one of like, um, it's when Eddie Murphy was doing the whole supporting character thing. But yeah, uh, watch life, watch a bunch of Eddie Murphy movies, Trading Places, Beverly Hills Cop, Metro. I enjoy trading places, but I feel like that's also a little bit different between Beverly Hills Cop and everything else he's done. But yeah, uh, that's it for my final thought and movie choices. Thank you, as always, for giving us a listen. We hope you have enjoyed our discussion in full. I would like to thank Kokoso for coming in and providing much appreciated commentary on the movies. Feel free to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and other platforms. You can support this podcast in the Screenwriters Group with a monthly donation by clicking on the support button in anchor.fm. You can find Kenyatta and I hosting the Boston Screenwriters Group on meetup.com and on YouTube with our forum recordings. You can join us by RSVPing to a virtual peer-reviewing script meetup by using the link in the description. We wish you all the best in your writing and other life's pursuits. Continue on staying strong.